This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. Hey, we're recording late in the week. I know some of you have asked, where is Wildcat Country? It's usually out by like Wednesday. Very or difficult Friday to make afternoon. it through, through a wor- whole work week without listening to us. You know, God forbid. Um, especially when there's really no teams playing except for baseball and yeah, and, and women's golf. So best of luck to them. Yep. But baseball is pretty much uh, their their season likely will be coming to an end uh, at some point next week in the Pac-12 mm-hmm. tournament. Mm-hmm. But uh, we have a lot to talk about on this show. Uh, Bruce Pascoe, the ace reporter from the Arizona Daily Star, going to join us. Uh, just a heads up, next week we're going to talk more about the new European prospects on uh, that were recruited by Tommy Lloyd. So we'll talk more about them. But first, Shane, it is time for Buy or Sell, which is presented by our friends at Ice Shaker. You can see both behind Shane and I, we have our blue half-gallon Wildcat Country uh, Ice Shaker. And Shane is drinking out of his. See, mine's also behind me on the on the shelf over here. If you're watching, I don't know if you can still see the, uh, the 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 steam coming off the coffee here, but I had to take the lid off because otherwise it would stay hot for for a long time, which is good. But I want it now, so I took the lid off. Coffee mid afternoon, Shane. Come on. Oh yeah, yeah. You have no idea. I have a three year old, Eric. That's that's fair. Good point. All right. Well, Ice Shaker, check them out. Go to IceShaker.com. Use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C, and get $5 off. Or go to Fanatics.com and get your Ice Shaker there. All right, Shane, number one. We'll go easy on this one. Uh, buy or sell Tommy Lloyd's recruiting strategy of skilled European prospects. Uh, it's been a uh, source of debate this week after the two new Lithuanian. By the way, we are, we are going to talk about them. We're just going to have someone specifically talking about the uh, Lithuanian prospects, hopefully next week, who can who's seen them and can add a lot more. But Bruce will be able to talk about them and the rest of the class, uh, incoming class as well. Uh, I'll, I'll buy it for now. I know right now a lot of people have a bad taste in their mouth with um, you know looking at Vesar and Borvichinen and neither guy seen much action last season. Uh, and then Tubelis, even though I think we, we, we like Azulis Tubelis, I think that his performances in, in uh, the NCAA tournament have been uh, left something to be desired. And so there's this idea that the international guys just can't compete at the collegiate level, at least not at a high level. I think that's a bit unfair. There's been plenty of examples where that hasn't been the case. And so you look at the two guys they've added, um, and I'm going to uh, let you pronounce the names because you because I've heard you do it already and you've done such a great job. Um, but one of them was the uh, the uh, defensive player of the year in his his league uh, this past season, and then the other one's a great shooter. Uh, so well, let's go. Let's go with Matthias Krivas. Krivas, and that's then the, we the have, big guy. Yep. Yep. And then we have Polius Morauskas. We're giving that a shot. Krivas and Morauskas. I can say those. There you go. We can we can we can roll with that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, and and so Krivas is a big guy, or at least a tall guy. Can uh, plays defense. Uh, Morauskas is a great shooter. So addressing two big needs there. So yeah, I'll I'll buy it for now. I I know that that people are like they saw another uh, Eastern European guy added, and they're like, "Uh, okay, but. Uh, some work in, it's, it's like to me. I think it takes a, the the international recruits a little bit 
longer to maybe get up to the speed, literally, of the college game. Uh, but some guys, uh, some American players don't always perform well in their first season, or even guys who are five stars don't ever perform well in college. So I don't think it's unique to the international uh, guys. So uh, I'll buy it for now. It's a strategy that worked for Tommy Lloyd and Gonzaga. I think it will eventually work at Arizona. So I got a, a note from uh, Pro Insight. Uh, it's, it's a, a Twitter page run by Matt McKay Jr., former NBA scout. Um, it's uh, We're going to have a member of that site likely on with us next week. And he messaged me after Krivos committed to Arizona. And I and I said, well, what do you know about him? And he says, saw him up close for three days straight in a competitive environment. Definitely would not call him soft. He's kind of an in-between uh, Karnowski, who's a U of A assistant coach now, yep. and Damata Sabonis, if we are comparing former Tommy Lloyd recruits. Okay. Uh, he said he's a more of a traditional big, but skilled. And so then I asked him the next day about uh, the about the other kid. He said, um, haven't seen him much, um, but he said, we'll find out more. Uh, I guess we'll find out more from somebody who has next week. But it's encouraging about Krivas. With that said, Shane, I am still selling this one because the the notion of European prospects are soft, is that they're soft. Mm-hmm. And the other notion is that the really good ones go straight to the NBA. Luka Doncic didn't go to college. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you know, Luka, is Luka Doncic soft? I mean, you could debate that, but there is that stereotype. You know, Henry Vesar came in last year and honestly didn't look the part like he doesn't look like a he doesn't look like a lottery pick like we all were told he looks like a bust i hope yeah. we're wrong One i year. mean he does if it look if it, i i give him give him a couple of years i mean i, I give I still it, don't I like everyone I, no i understand. I understand my bigger concern eric is is, is the guards i think Air, arizona needs at least one more big name in, at the guard position to be successful uh next season uh because it, it comes down to guard play largely in march and Arizona's lacked that, and I think it's been evident in their last two NCAA tournament appearances. Uh, they they don't have they just don't have enough great shooting guys who can uh, who who can break a, a scoring drop by hitting some big three pointers. So they, they 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 don't have guys who are willing to take. Maybe Kylan Boswell is that guy next season. Maybe it's a, a Jaden Bradley who's coming in from Alabama. KJ Lewis is coming. So they have some possibilities there. I just don't know they have a ton of depth in that position. And so I'd like to see Arizona land at least one more big name guard. I think Ryan Nemhard would have satisfied that. Uh, but so it, to me at this point, the concern going into next season isn't so much, oh, they have more international guys. It's the lack of great guards on the team. I agree with that. Now, uh, we're going to talk to Bruce about this, but as of right now, when we're recording on Friday afternoon, Keisha Johnson from San Diego state, who's a, you know, a, a three or four, uh, is, uh, you know, small forward power forward is rumored to be committing to Arizona this weekend. Yep. So we're going to assume that that is a thing. And, Honestly, I love that commitment more yeah. than the European guys because we know this guy played in the Final Four. He's a legit player. I don't know. I think you're right, Shane. Offensively, we got some questions, and we'll talk about that probably more next week as to where are the points going to come from uh, on Arizona's roster, and, and maybe Bruce will have some insight uh, before that as well. I do like that uh, on, de- on the defensive side of the ball, though. Sorry to cut you off, Gary, but just yeah. uh, the, the possibility of adding Keisha Johnson uh, and then Krivas, uh, Pell Larson is, is a good defense. So I think Arizona, I already think Arizona is going to be better defensively next season. And that's not I nothing. No I, question about that. Yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, you know, a lot of room for improvement there. I think they're going to be better. I think they're going to be a tougher team uh, defensively. Uh, it just, it, the big question is, yeah, where are the points going to come from? And if Kylan Boswell ends up being the star that we all think he's going to be, and he's, you know, as soon as next season averages, you know, 
17, 18 points a game, then maybe that takes care of it. But I, if Arizona were to add one more starter, a potential starter in the guard position, I'd feel a lot better about their prospects next season. And there, and your, your, your possibility of being able to attend a, a final four right here in the Valley with the Arizona plays in. I want to see a go-to score. I don't care what position that is, presumably a, a two or a three, no. but we need somebody that is a Ben Matherin-esque player who's not afraid to take a shot at the end of the game, which we saw Arizona struggle with big time. And as great as Tubelis was as a scorer, he's not a go-to guy no, he's just down the not. stretch. Yeah. He, he he melted at the end of the Princeton game, honestly. Like, if you're an NBA scout and you watch that, you're like, mm, role player at best. All right. Uh, I, I couldn't help myself with this one, Shane. I'm going to play a, little, a quick little game here. It's the hot seat rankings game. Uh, not necessarily a buy or sell, but close enough. A zero means they're 100% safe next season, and a 10 means, like, serious trouble. So let's let's run these down, and you just give me a number and maybe a brief explanation for each. Okay. Jed Fish. Are you saying as of this moment or? As of this moment, going this into moment, the next season. Oh, yeah. zero. He's at zero. No, he he's absolutely, he's headed, got the program headed in the right direction, done a great job recruiting, landing uh some good coaches uh, bringing in Dwayne Aquina, I think is going to be a big win that uh, going from one win to five wins and uh, looking like a potential bowl team already, considering what he took over a couple of years ago that no, there's no, his, his seat is his ice iceberg cold. All right. I'm going to agree with that. Um, I think he's a zero. I'm not, not, I think Jed will make it to year four if he wants to, I will talk about at some point this summer, Shane, um, you know, should be would we should be we be worried that Jed may be lured away at some point? I do want to talk about that uh, yeah. as we go along. Good problem uh, to have. Tom, it is a good problem to have. Uh, Tommy Lloyd, zero to ten. Zero. I I know the disappointments in the tournaments, but no, you, you've like he's he's overachieved in the regular season two years in a row from my perspective, and the the main reason we were so disappointed in the tournament results is because of that. So, you know, I don't not going to say victim of his own success, but even though I probably have said in previous podcasts, uh, but no, he not in the hot seat in, in any way, shape or form. No, that, that would be nuts. I would agree with that. Zero. I mean, more with the fans, like the fans may complain yeah. a little bit, but but still uh, a zero for Tommy Lloyd. OK, Adia Barnes, who I have repeatedly said deserves a lifetime contract at Arizona. Uh, this might be the first one where you and I disagree a little, but I'm also going to say a zero. I, I am concerned about next season that they she's lost three players who who aren't ran out of eligibility and five, maybe six who are transferring. That's significant even in this day and age. Uh, they ha- she has a great recruiting class coming coming in. Uh, the transfers she has coming in are meh. I think is probably the best non-word word to describe it. Uh, so I have doubts of how successful they're going to be next season, but. You look at where that she took this program from. I mean, it's to me that was even a big, as big a hill to climb as what Tommy Lloyd's having to deal deal with with the football team because the Arizona women's basketball was at was at the bottom of the conference for a lot of years, became pretty much irrelevant, and she very systematically turned that around. So even if they struggle next season, even if they're five hundred, she's not going anywhere unless she wants to. Okay, fair enough. I will say a zero as well. Actually, Shane, okay. I just can't imagine. I mean, at this point, uh, I would still give her a lifetime contract. I think there are some issues within the program. Would love to talk to her eventually and find out what's going on there. But are I, you talking about the coaches who have left? I mean, coaches and players who. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously some kind of discontent in the program that I'd like to figure out what's going on there. But, but okay, you know what? I, if we have her on again, she'll be completely honest about it. Yep. 
And, and that's what I, I would like to ask her before I speculate on anything. I'd still give the first three fish Lloyd and Barnes a zero. Okay. You, you, you can't call yourself a journalist, Eric, if you're just, if you're not going to wildly speculate. Thank you. <laughs> yes, uh, you're being way too responsible. Uh, okay. Number four, then Caitlin Lowe. Uh, it was just so we have something else different. I'd say maybe a one or a two, but I don't think that's it. Going, yeah. No, she's not going anywhere yet. I give, I give her at least three years. I, I know that the regular season, well, two next straight year years, number three. I know, year. I know, but we ain't there yet. We're talking about, this is why I clarified right here and now. Uh, no, I'm not saying going to be, I'm saying going into next season. No, I don't think she's on the hot seat yet. No, I don't. I, I don't think so. I, I, I think that she deserves at least one more year uh, to, to show that she can turn the program around. Uh, and one thing I'll mention again is that while Mike Andrea was a legendary coach and should have a statue in Tucson right next to Lou Dolson's or on the same, you know, in the same area as Lou Dolson's, uh, his teams weren't as dominant in the last decade or so he was there. True. So it's not like he she took over the number one program in the country. With that said, I know you're anxious to talk. With that said, yes, there is room for improvement. There is no excuse for this team ever to miss regionals. Uh, and they they struggled last year in the regular season. We forgave that because of their run to the College World Series this year. They didn't even make it that uh, to the to regional. So it's it's a problem. I think it's one she's going to solve. I think she needs to bring in some, a top pitcher or two. And once that because because hitting wasn't the problem, pitching nope. was the problem. She brings in a top pitcher or two, they'll be fine. So I'm going to say going into next season, her hot seat is a four. Okay, I think it would be significantly higher if she had not gotten Arizona to the uh, College World Series last year. With Maybe. that said, Arizona also missed the uh, tournament for the first time in, what, 35 years or something like that? That's yeah. a problem. If they yeah. were to miss two years in a row, I could see a scenario in which she's not brought back. Yeah, there'd be some time. So that's I, why, I, yeah. yeah. I, 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 think, number. I, I think, though, and maybe this sounds a bit cynical, but it, it's not – the the athletic department isn't going to be as quick to make a move in that category simply because softball isn't as big a revenue generator. Even though softball has been the most successful program in Arizona athletics history, it doesn't generate the kind of revenue that football and men's basketball do. So you could actually literally afford to be a little more patient. So if it was a more of a revenue revenue generator, if it made the same amount of money as football or men's basketball did, then I think maybe she'd be on a bit more of a hot seat than she is. Okay. So then uh, the last one is Chip Hale. Um, I know you have been adamant about him getting three years. It appears that he probably will. Mm -hmm. uh, where does where is his hot seat ranking heading into next season? Five, five. I, I think they have to be at least improve next season. I think you know to me they should at least make regionals. I mean, there's going to be a, a bit of a drop off. There's going to be some some changeover, but uh, from Jay Johnson's uh, time here. But Arizona baseball, it's kind of an interesting. I feel like they're kind of like a little like UConn men's basketball, and that they're not consistently at the top. But they have won a number of championships. You know, right. they're not a consistent like, you know, college World Series team. But when they make it, a lot of times they win the whole thing. Right. You know, uh, so it's they have that reputation as, as a very good program, but not a great one. Uh, but they are a program that needs. You know, they they made the the regional regionals with Andy Lopez pretty consistently. Obviously, they did with Jay Johnson as well. They missed it a couple of years, but were very close uh, with Jay Johnson. So. Uh, I, I get, I, again, yeah, like you said, one more year, kind of the same thing with the baseball team is with softball, you know, you're winning games 21 to 20. That that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that was, that's nice, but that's not ideal. Uh, I'd rather see them win games, you know, four to three and, and they need the, the pitching just hasn't been there. The hitting has the pitching hasn't that they, they have to improve in that area. And if they don't, if they don't make regionals again next season, then I might be with you that they, they have, uh, they have proven the, the case that they should move on, but I'm not there yet. 
All right, recruiting does not seem like it's that great. Uh, I am putting Chip Hale's hot seat meter at an eight heading into next season. I think you have to make the postseason, and if you don't, he's out. Real simple. You think, I, it, you, I think you think it comes down to an ultimatum? I mean, really, like if Dave, like if Dave Hickey says, "Look, you guys got to make regionals," next, or does he actually tell Chip that or not? Yeah. I mean, you just got you got to make you got to make the postseason. Yeah. I mean, it, quite simple. There's 64 teams that get in. You got to be one of them, and if you're not, you should be out. Two years in a row, inexcusable. They didn't make it out of the first round last year. It's not working. If your recruiting's not great, not working. Simple as that. Uh, I personally believe that Arizona needs a head coach who, like a Jay Johnson, comes from a smaller school, wants to prove himself, and will will bust his rear end recruiting. Yeah, it was, de- it was definitely more of an outside the box hire. I mean, Jed Fish was too. Um, but this was more like, uh, let's bring in a lot. I, I think a lot of times, and, I, and we're talking with Craig Fui at ABC 15 about this, it's like a lot of times the new head coach in a lot of ways is kind of the opposite of the previous coach in a certain way. And I think, or, or like addressing what that coach didn't do. And I think Arizona's like, okay, let's find a coach who's not going to leave when they are, they're successful. You know, because even if Chip Hale's successful, and I had him on the on the podcast when he was first hired and said, this is going to be my last job if I if, if I can help it. Uh, right. I, I'd like to stay here forever. And I believe him when he says that. He loves Tucson. He'd love to have that job forever. Uh, so I think that was part of the reason. And so it was, wants a, it. it was a gamble. It hasn't paid off yet, but I think he deserves at least one more year to see if he can get it going in the right direction again. Okay. Number uh, number three in buy or sell, a merger or agreement between the PAC and the ACC would be a bad thing for both sides, buy or sell. Give me a little more background on this one. So ACC has a grant of rights where the schools can't get out until 2036, but obviously they're going to fall behind in terms of revenue. The PAC 10, 12, whatever they are, uh, has their own issues. Um, But I'm not sure that it makes sense because there's no geographical ties between the two conferences. Any thoughts there, buy or sell that I I don't think it makes, I mean, I I don't think it does anything to have them together. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Like if they want to create like a series of like, you know, non-conference football opponents, like over the next several years, I think that's fine. That would, that would mm-hmm. elevate uh, both conferences a bit, but no, I, I think that I, and like I, I told you, Eric, I've conceded I'm on the big 12 train. It sounds like that's not going to happen at this point, but it's a fluid situation. I think Arizona needs to get out and, and move on. I think the PAC 12 is um, not a sinking ship, but it's, it's treading water. Uh, it, it's been treading water for a while now. So, no, I'll, I'll sell it as like some sort of long-term solution. I, I don't think there's a lot there. Coming up next, let's talk to Bruce Pasco. Get the scoop on everything that is men's basketball at Arizona here on Wildcat Country. What's up, Wildcat Country? It's Robbie G, baby, and I am gearing up for a big year with Coach Jed Fish and excited to see what the Arizona Wildcats do this football season. And just like the football team, we stepped up our program as well with the official licensed U of A ice shaker, baby. Check it out and get it at fanatics.com. Bear down, Arizona. Let's go. Shane, for the ninth time on this program, we are very pleased to welcome the ace reporter from the Arizona Daily Star, Bruce Pascoe. Uh, there's a lot going on. You know, you, you think that once Arizona gets eliminated, we had John right after that. You're like, well, we're off for a little while. Nope, Bruce, your job does not stop. And the rumors that are going around, and we're recording this on Friday afternoon, the rumors that are going on this weekend that Keisha Johnson from San Diego State is rumored to be committing to Arizona, we hope, this weekend, as per what some experts are saying, 
What do you know about Keyshawn Johnson and how will he impact Arizona's roster next season, assuming he comes? Well, obviously he would give them a lot of experience and, uh, you know, some defense. Uh, and he's, you know, I think offensively it'd be interesting to see what they would do if he were to come. And, you know, I, I heard he's, you know, he, he, he kind of would fit as a power forward. They could probably use him the most there, especially with the Zulus to you know, all beat out the door. Um, you know, he, I think he wants to play more of a small forward, but I think in this system, if he came here, I imagine that part of the, is Tommy Lloyd is probably telling him, Hey, a four in my system is pretty comparable to a three anywhere else. You're going to be having a lot of freedom, blah, blah, blah. So maybe that works out, but, uh, you know, the, the, I think the biggest thing is he, he brings a lot of experience and, and depth and, you know, talent he's obviously proven, um, you know, they need that. This team needs that. They lost, you know, they lost a lot, especially if, you know, with Tabellis, uh, you know, apparently leaving and, um, it's just a big piece of it. It's just, you know, um, you know, you're hoping for Arizona that that, that fits in because he's a guy who's in his last year, you know, probably want to get that little extra on his resume so he can, um, you know, have a better shot at the NBA next year. And, um, you know, and then you have to kind of work, work that in with the, the team chemistry. So that, that's a challenge there, but, but yeah, everything I've heard about him, you know, that it seems like a piece that would help. And, and I, I would assume that Tommy Lloyd is, would only recruit him if he had the potential to fit in the fabric of what he does there. He talks about that all the time. Yeah, Bruce, th thanks a lot for joining us. I know you're kind of a weary traveler, like you always are, you know, coming from the NBA draft combine. You saw uh, Zulus Tubelis there. You, you mentioned uh, that he's likely gone. Did you get a chance to talk to him? And is he like, is he definitely gone? Or is there still that possibility he might come back to Tucson? No, yeah, I keep hearing that he, I keep hearing that he's gone. And in fact, one um, NBA scout that I've known for a long time came up to me. He says, yeah, I've heard he's gone. What, what, what are you hearing? And I said, yeah, that's what it seems. And yeah, they're seeing, and certainly them recruiting the way they're recruiting, uh, bringing in the two Lithuanians and and possibly Johnson if they get him, and they're also pursuing you know Arthur Kaluma if he comes back out of the the draft pool. Uh, he's a smaller player, a little bit, but uh, you know I think they're they're recruiting with the expectation he's leaving. And I actually asked Azulis about that, and I said it looks like they're recruiting without you. And he kind of he just said he says yeah, well I heard they're. They got two Lithuanians and I'm happy about that. And he talked about both those guys. Um, but, you know, when I asked him point blank, hey, is there any chance you come back? He just said, you know, what everybody says, I'm keeping all my options open. And he's right. He has till May 31st. I don't think he would, but he might. I suppose there's probably still a chance. But but from what I've heard, he has, uh, you know, decent six figure offers uh, if he goes back to Europe. And if he stays here, he could get a two-way contract, maybe, even if he doesn't get drafted, maybe gets a two-way. And that's a no-brainer if you can get that, because that's 500000 If he doesn't, he might qualify for, you know, might, somebody might give him an Exhibit 10 contract where you get that camp bonus and you can make seventy-five or or more if you stick with the G League team after that. So those are kind of, that's kind of his floor if he stays here. Or, yeah, he could come back to Arizona. You know, I said, hey, if you come back to Arizona, would you you think you'd get some NIL money that would make it worthwhile? And he just said, money doesn't matter. I just want to play. So, you know, I don't know. But, I, I you know, it's, it sounds to me like he's, you know, he, he didn't do a lot to, to, to sound like a guy who was, who was definitely, you know, considering staying. But, but he's at least kept the door a crack open for what it's worth. Yeah, I guess there's no reason not to and, yeah, like, until right. the deadline. Yeah, know. I mean, there, there, there's some thought that, uh, you want to be strong, like I'm coming out, I'm not going back, and then to impress the NBA scouts that you're so confident in yourself that you're going to make it no matter what, even if you don't get drafted. 
there is some thought that the NBA guys like it with you, but I think nowadays there's just so many guys that are coming in and testing and uh, you know, everybody's just keeping their options open. I, I don't think it's that big a deal anymore, really. Another guy who tested the waters uh, before we get into the uh, Lithuanian commits, because I want to make Eric pronounce their names, uh, is uh, Pella Larson, who I know uh, was uh, at least he's invited to, to the combine. I believe he obviously he announced he's coming back, yeah. which isn't a surprise. Um, but it, was there ever a real chance that he was going to leave Arizona either through the through the draft or uh, or transfer portal or anything else? No, I, no, it, it, it was very, very apparent he would you know, almost certainly come back, you know, he's not on the, the draft boards. He certainly got some upside where he could carve out a role with his game. Um, but he's, you know, got some things to, to work on there. And I think he was mostly doing it to gather some feedback. He was actually invited to the G league elite camp, which is sort of like the junior combine. It's like the, the guys who don't make the combine go to that. And then they pull. That's six- what, that's what I was referring to. I think it was. The, yeah. The G league yeah. Camp. So, you know, like tiger Campbell got invited to that, but all the other UCLA guys starters went to the combine. So just, is one of those deals. And, um, you know, that's a good sign, though, that at least he got invited to that. And, uh, you know, based on the fact that I think even the NBA guys knew that he probably was coming back and they don't I don't think they like wasting combine invites or even G League camp invites on guys they know are not going to come come back because that's, a uh, you know, kind of a waste of their time. So anyway, um, but no, I think he was coming back. In fact, the day it was either the day it came out that he was staying or maybe the next day I went to U of A to uh, for another interview and I looked and they were practice, they were finishing up practice and the door was open. I just looked out and there was Pella Larson practicing with him. So, you know, and that's, you know, if guys are testing and they're serious about testing, they, they almost always like leave almost right away and go, go to LA or Santa Barbara or one of these places where their agencies put, put guys together and, and they start preparing for the draft. Even Courtney Ramey did that last year. He went to Las Vegas after he left Texas, went to Vegas was two months in all in on the draft and then pulled out and went back to the transfer portal and, and then spent a year here. It's just, that's the way it goes. But, but no, I don't think Larson was going anywhere. All right, Bruce, Shane wanted me to do it. Uh, Matias Krivas and Polius Morauskas. We're going to try it. Sounds I, good to me. Yeah. I was going to say, sounds, sounds you, you know, you mentioned before the show, you're a writer, you don't have to really pronounce it, but Shane and I, and our buddy, Jeff Dean, good luck with that. Um, what do you know about those guys? What did Azulas tell you about them? And I mean, just from what you heard, I think most importantly, do you expect either one of them to be a year one contributor for Tommy Lloyd? I yeah, uh, I think um, you know uh, Krivas is a big guy. I mean, they're listing him seven two. It sounds like he's a legit seven foot, um, pretty good, really good touch. Apparently, you know, uh, within. 10 feet of the basket or whatever. Um, and, 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 and a pretty good uh, defensive player as well. Not quite the, the rim runner that Christian Coloco was, but I think maybe, maybe a better shot blocker than, than they, than they've had, or, you know, so I, I could see him playing minutes off the bench. I don't think he'd be a starter, but I think he could impact him right away um, for what it sounds like. And then uh, Moroskis is a, a, you know, a big wing six foot eight. Um, he play is really interesting story with him. he, shot 42 percent i think playing at the high the the senior level or whatever the top level in lithuania not on one of the better clubs he was actually in with one of the better clubs where krivas played called zaldris which is the club that um kirk krisa played four years ago but krisa only played on the second division i think he got called up a couple times and that was the same with um krivas who but uh moroskis was apparently and this is a lithuanian uh writer reporter i had been messaging with he told me that 
he was actually playing with Zaldries. They thought so highly of him, but they didn't have room for him to play much on their senior team. So they loaned him to another team in the league, a lesser team, and he played for them. Uh, and, and again, so on a pretty high level competition shot 42% from three, I think he averaged I think like eight points a game or something, uh, or, you know, pretty, pretty good considering the level he was at. And then he played, even played like 18 games in Euro cup, which is really high level. Um, didn't have great numbers, but just, to, but he's had that experience, uh, you know, playing against, uh, you know, that, that level of competition. It's almost like, a, you know, um, I think I tried to. <laughs> tried to um, understand the European system. I remember Dusan Ristich was telling me once that it's, you know, Euro cup and is like a, it's like a, you know, playing non-conference and then you play Euro cup. It's like playing your pack 12 games. It's a lot tougher. And uh, so that's anyway, that's what he did. So he, he did pretty well against that. So I, I think he, you know, and, and shooting wise, we'll see, you never know really how it's going to translate right away, but, it sounds like, um, you know, with that experience and that ability to shoot that, uh, you know, he should be able to help them, you know, right away, uh, you know, probably off the bench, but I can see him, you know, off the bench and then, then moving in, you know, he certainly has the upside to be a starter or a really, really good player, um, you know, within a year or two. And that's actually, and to Bella's, you know, one of the things he said, he said, uh, he said of Moraskas, um, he said, he's after, he said, after I left, he was the most, he was the brightest talent, brightest young talent in Lithuania. So awesome. and he's right. And he's probably, you know, but because he, he was that. So, um, so yeah. And he actually legitimately, you know, the, the, the cool thing about Tubelis is he's not a real talkative guy, but he is genuine. Everything he says, he's, he's not, you know, he says it like it is and his emotions are like it is. Um, and he genuinely seemed excited about both of these guys. So, you know, I, I think, you know, uh, in fact of uh, um, Krivas, he said, you know, he's, maybe not that fast, but he, you know, or maybe, maybe, but he can do a lot of things and he's not, you know, he's more, more mobile than you might think for that size. So, you know, he, so he, he you know, they both have some upside and again, he, he was excited. So that, that probably bodes pretty well, at least. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, at least, all right, that's great. Um, At least we have some things to, to look forward to. Now here's the next question. Do you believe that Arizona's leading scorer for next season is currently on the roster? Because to me, it, it seems like Arizona needs another wing player who's going to score, you know, yeah. like a Kaluma type. So yeah. where's the scoring going to come from? Yeah, that's it. Well, I think, I think Jaden Bradley, you know, could be a candidate there. I think, I think Larson could be, you know, and I, I need, think he, you know, he's been deferring a lot. He's versatile and, you know, we all know about his defense and maybe he makes a big step up offensively, but I, th- I do think what, however it plays out, um, and, and maybe, yeah, maybe they get Kaluma. It sounds like they have a really good chance if Kaluma goes back in the, in the, in the portal, um, you know, that, you know, when I talked to him, he was, you know, he, he didn't want, you know, he didn't want to talk much about college, but I got the vibe that he would, you know, that he would consider them pretty seriously. So he could be that guy too, but it also could be like, you know, and you know, that could be three, four guys all averaging between 12 and 15 points a game. You know, I don't think they, this team is, has the, you know, Zulus Tabellis who's going to, you know, be the dominant scorer, but uh, there, there could be three or four guys that they can all kind of turn to. Bruce, what, what's the biggest adjustment for the uh, international players, especially those coming from Eastern Europe to college basketball? Because I think a lot of Wildcat fans were sort of like, okay, well, it's nice, but, you know, we got more international guys who aren't going to see the court because they're thinking of Vesar and Borovic. And then is it is it just take the international guys a little bit of time to, to get used to the speed or the uh, the uh, 
physicality of the college game? Yeah, I think a little of both, but I think probably more, maybe at least maybe the physicality. I think, you know, I think it was tougher when Sean Miller was brought in those guys. I think Tabellis really had a tough time adjusting to not only his system, but the, the rules and, you know, just, and then little things like I remember once he, he was hanging on a rim after a dunk and then he got called for a technical and he looked around like, what, what did I, I didn't do anything. He had no idea, you know, like, um, so there's just, there's things like that. I think Tommy Lloyd's system is a little easier for these guys because it's so similar to a lot of what they're used to. Um, you know, as far as the, the openness of the offense and, um, passing, et cetera, um, you know, cohesion, it's just, it, it fits more with them. And I think that's why Lloyd's landing a lot of these guys, but that said, I think physically is, is a big adjustment. I think that's why Vasar in particular just didn't, didn't make the rotation really as, and played less almost as the season went on. I think that he was just sent a message like you need to get tougher and, you know, and, and, and get, get more ready. So it'd be really interesting to see, you know, we all know that big jump you have typically between your freshman and sophomore year, maybe he can do that. Um, you know, and, and, and that's why maybe we do have to pump the brake a, a little bit on these two Lithuanian guys, because yeah, we don't know. You, you just don't, you just don't know. I mean, most of the time they do take some adjustments and then every now and then there's a Lowry marking in that you, you think, Oh, he's going to take a while. And then like, he's a, you know, he's an NBA pick by Thanksgiving. So it's just, it's just hard to say sometimes. Last question for you, Bruce, uh, the, the PAC 12 rosters are still shaping up. Obviously it's a very fluid situation, but you know, look as of now, and let's assume Arizona gets Keisha Jensen and maybe even Arthur Kaluma, would they have a chance to compete in the pack for the top of the PAC 12 again? Can you look at, UCLA and now USC has got a pretty stacked class coming in, including Bronny now. Uh, how, how are their prospects looking at this point? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, probably right now, number two, and then SC being number one, but you know, SC is interesting because they've won a lot of games over the last four or five years collectively. They've had a lot of talent, um, but they never seem to quite, um, you know, they, they haven't won a regular season title anyway in a long time. I can't even remember um, off the top of my head, but um, so there, you know, there's that kind of team where you were like, you know, the, maybe you discount them a little bit because of the, the history or whatever. I, not that to say that Andy feels, you know, not a good coach because he does a lot of good things well. And, and it's just, um, they just, I don't know, it's been hard. And maybe, maybe part of it with them has been, you know, chemistry, you know, and deals. And, you know, the, when you do have that much talent, sometimes it's hard to mesh everybody in. So, and, and I think there were a couple of years that they've had a lot of injuries, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, but on paper, I would still say SC1. I mean, maybe if if Arizona got both Johnson and Kaluma, um, you know, that, that you know, and you factor in the track record of Tommy Lloyd's first two regular seasons, you might go with Arizona then. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, but I think, you know, Bronny James and, and uh, the other guys they've got there, the, I mean, they got the top prospect. They got, they, they've got a lot going on. Um, so I just don't trust Andy Enfield. I, I'm sorry, bro. I, you know, um, I, well. I know what he did at FGCU, but at, at USC, I mean, he's been like a maybe slightly better Bobby Hurley consistently. He hasn't done much, right? He's got a lot of, he's got a lot of talent. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's recruited better than Bobby Hurley. You could actually make a case for Bobby Hurley being better on the court with what he's, you know, with the guys he's had, um, you know, I mean, the guys will run through a wall with Bobby Hurley. I think the problem is they do run through a wall and then they're by February 1st, they they're tired. You know, that, that seems like that's what that team has uh, trouble with. 
um Enfield yeah Enfield's a different dude he's he's I think he's a good coach but he's he's seen he's so mellow sometimes you know and I don't know and then maybe you have other agendas with some of these talented guys it's been hard but they they have won a lot of games they've always been in that mix and uh you know in the COVID year they went to what they lead eight I think that year so um you know uh, they, they've had some success but I think you could you could definitely argue you're right that that they probably maybe underachieved a little relative to the talent level they've had. I think that's fair. Do you think my, my last question for you, Bruce, do you think Tommy Lloyd has emphasized, you know, assuming Arizona gets Johnson, do you think Tommy Lloyd finally realizes the importance of playing defense in crucial games? Well, I mean, he's talked about that. I think he knows, you know, I think that goes back to last year, you know, that TCU and the Houston game and wanting to get tougher. And they tried this year. And I think that whole deal about trying to get tougher and be more defensive was one reason some of the guys didn't, you know, some of the guys like uh Vesar and Borovichin and, and, you know, even Adama ball, it just didn't cut it. And, and you saw Tommy went with seven guys most of the year, just cause, and, and even then I think he would have liked better defense. And, but the problem with going with seven guys, you know, you can only, you know, you can only do so much defensively and expend so much energy when you only have seven guys. And I think that, that kind of caught up to him at the end of the year too. I mean, they just, you know, so it's, yeah, it's a tough deal, but they, I think, yeah, I think they, they know they, they need that. I think that's why Johnson could be, you know, could be a big piece of this and, you know, we'll see maybe if uh previous really is the post defender, it sounds like, and he certainly got the size. I mean that, that, you know, and then you got Umar Ballo in there as well. You know, maybe they do have a little bit tougher look uh, defensively. Uh, one last bonus question for you while we have you. Do you expect anyone, without naming names, do you expect anyone to transfer off Arizona's roster uh, between now and the start of the season? I don't think so now because now you would have had the portal is closed. So the only guys would have to go would be grad transfers don't necessarily, the rules are tricky. I don't think you have to go through if you're a graduate. So I think, I think they're, I think they're set and just the timing would suggest usually if you're going to go, you're going to go sometime in April um, just because you want to get out there and figure out where you're going next. So I, I don't think so, but I, I did think that, you know, well, I thought, I thought ball would leave and he did, uh, you know um, you know, the other guys, I think, I think based on board of each and are the two guys you think, you know, if they were a little more impatient, maybe they would have transferred right away. But I think both those guys realized they, they Dil- Dylan Anderson too, another one. Well, yeah. And that's actually kind of a, a minor upset in the sense that, you know, he's from, you know, he's, he's from the American system where guys do transfer more often and it's more common. And, and, um, but I think, yeah, that was a guy I kind of wondered about, but, it, you know, and we haven't really talked to him much. So I, you know, I, I haven't really got the chance to, to know him. Well, he's plus he's really kind of quiet. Um, but obviously this, this shows that he, he seems to be bought in and, you know, and, or maybe, you know, maybe behind the scenes, he did a little looking around, but, you know, I think he's going to give it another year and see, see what happens. It'll, it'll be interesting. You know, I think, I think he'll be kind of like uh, ball was last year. Uh, you know, certainly if you, if you don't make a move by the end of your sophomore year, you know, you, you might, you probably are going to move on. So we'll see. Well, I'll tell you, Bruce, uh, last month I was panicking as to what Arizona's roster would look like. I'm feeling slightly better now, so I guess that's a win. Thank you for joining Shane and I. And you know what? At the rate things are going, I have a feeling we'll be talking to you again sooner than later over the summer. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, the way it is now, like recruiting literally doesn't end until after the withdrawal deadline because 
it seems like half of the guys in the combine, it's not that many, but it just seems like there's a lot of guys who go in the draft and the transfer portal. So you got to wait till those guys come back and then, and then, uh, and then they be, be, be available. So really, yeah, it's, it's it, it, even just a few years ago, you'd, you'd look at a team that only had half the roster full in April and, and start wondering what the heck is going on. Like was the case this year, but you know, it's, it's not that unusual to go late and that's, that's what they're doing. Great to catch up with Bruce. Uh, great info from him, as always. Uh, you know, we learn a lot from him. And uh, Tommy Lloyd's making moves. If this Keyshaw Johnson thing happens, uh, it's encouraging, Shane. All right. Yeah, real quick, Eric. Did you remember um, there was a random report a few weeks ago that Ar- uh, that Arthur Kaluma and Ryan yeah. Nemhard were going to come to Arizona and the Kaluma yeah. was going to sign this huge, uh, ridiculously big uh, NIL deal? Yeah. Uh, so it's just, it's just funny. Like, if it does happen, like, if, could this guy be partly right or just, you know, by dumb luck, be right. The Kaluma comes. If he comes and, and Johnson comes, they'll be in good shape. I still think they need an, uh, another, just another great guard, but you know, it, it's coming together. It's coming together. Uh, so Arizona, I got an alert on my phone this week that Arizona won the territorial cup, Shane, uh, 11, 10 over ASU. The, ter- the territorial cup series. Thank you. Trophy. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Cause you've written two books about the actual football game yeah. and the territorial cup itself. Yeah. Uh, check those out on Amazon, by the way, if you, Thank you. are new to the podcast. Uh, okay, so does winning this series for all sports combined actually matter or, or no? It, it does. It. Do you remember the first couple of years where that they in, after they um, introduced this trophy? It hasn't been around for too long. It had a sponsor. It was a, a state farm, state farm sponsored it. Yeah, yeah. And now it's and since then, I don't even know where to find that information online. So I right. didn't know Arizona won the Territorial Cup Series trophy until Arizona Athletics tweeted about it. Right. So it, it would be nice. It's I think it's a great thing to to promote between the two schools. But if no one knows where to look, no one keeps up with it. Who cares? So that right. it, it's like it, does, it doesn't exist until oh, by the way, we we and if Arizona hadn't won it, of course they wouldn't have announced it, and I wouldn't have never have known. So uh, it it's not a big deal, but I think it 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 should be, and it's great that I think Arizona's won I think eight of those to ASU's five or six. Yeah. So we have the all-time lead in that and the all-time lead in the uh, territorial cup uh, as well, even though the, the trophy was, has only been given out to the winner since uh, 2001 all-time leader in that rivalry anyway. So a uh, big deal. No, but it probably should be a bigger one. Okay. Nice that Arizona won. I better than they lost, but probably like there's a bunch of sports that it basically comes down to, I mean, honestly, it comes down to the five sports that we just talked about the coaches in the first segment. Yeah. How many of those did Arizona won? They they won football. They won ba- uh, men's basketball. They won women's basketball. Men's basketball. I think they actually split because I don't well, know the right, actual champ. The tournament. Right. Well, but as far as I'm concerned, know, it, it, and but they swept they, the women. The women swept ASU, which which is a big deal. That never right. happens. So, so at baseball, they lost. I think three three to one. There, even though despite, they even though they won the popular vote because right, they not scored the, ASU by twenty by twenty to nothing in the game they won. Right, and then softball, I think, got swept at ASU, so uh, that wasn't good either. So. I think, the yeah, softball I, mean, team, I think I think honestly the softball team beat ASU a couple times, but yeah, it was a struggle overall for the softball team. I mean, yeah. So so regardless, I mean, you you look at it. Yeah, we had a pretty good year in those particular sports. I think that's what that's what generally matters. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, I and I'm not trying to disparage any of the other sports, Shane. No, uh, but I, but I think that that's one of the reasons to make the territorial cup series trophy a bigger deal is like it gives those guys a little more to play for. It's like, hey, well, this trophy's on the line here, and so and those and they count just as big in that for that trophy as football does as men's basketball does. So I think it's kind of a fun way to keep track of things. And, and you're right. You're right, Shane, uh, U of A beat ASU three out of four, including the yeah. Pac-12 tournament. So, all right. So they won uh, basically if you include postseason, they won four out of five sports. 
against yeah. the Sun Devils. And yep. you can't really ask for a ton more than that. So I guess good job, you know. So in that regard, I'll take it. All right. Uh, last thing I want to discuss, kind of random here. So the Pac-12 approved in-game and pre-game football access initiatives to be implemented in broadcasts on ESPN, Fox Sports, and their own network. These include in-game head coach interviews, pre-game and halftime locker room ca- uh, camera access, coaches and select players wired on the field pre-game, cameras in coaches' booth without sound, and extended handheld camera permission. Is this a desperation move for a dying conference, Shane? Yeah, the only thing that's missing, Eric, is the slime in the end zone. Uh you know, pick, pick, put it on Nickelodeon. No, I, I mean, none of those are bad things, but yeah, it, it does remind me of, you know, like, is it like the XFL or USFL where they'll have those gimmicks in the game because they're desperate to get people to watch. Right. But, the, you know, the first thing I thought of was like minor league baseball promotions, like do anything to get fans to come out. And yep. you know, major league teams do that to a certain extent too. But yeah, it, it's, if you have to resort to that, I mean, like it, bottom line is the football should be quality enough that people want to watch. If that's not there, it's like, you know, we talk about for, um, we debated attendance at Arizona stadium a lot. And it's like, mm-hmm. you can put all the gimmicks in the stadium you want. The only thing that's going to consistently uh, bring people out and fill up those seats is winning. That's the only thing that's going to do it, no matter what else Jed Fish and the football team try to do. All well-intentioned, and I'd like to see more fans there, but that's just the truth. It's the same thing with the conference. That There has to be quality football. Uh, part of it is there has to be at a decent time of day as well, but there's only so much we can do about that. But there have to be games that people want to watch. If they, they're games that people want to watch, people will tune in. People aren't going to tune in just because they want to see halftime cam. I, again, not bad things necessarily, but they're not things that are going to change the game at all for the Pac-12. Okay, uh, I'll be honest with you. This is going to be a, a probably a sad take. I could care less about this stuff. Don't care. I care about what happens on the field. I don't care about Jed Fish's reaction until I see it from the digital gurus uh, a few days later when they show, you know, the the victorious, uh, you know, locker room singing and everything. Love like, those. That Love stuff those. is great. Yeah, absolutely. And they and the, and the digital gurus didn't have anything to do for two years. <laughs> so, well, they got all this footage. They weren't able to show any of it until they started winning a few games again. But So, exactly. So, you know what? Cool, great, could care less. Seems like a desperation move, as you said, for a dying conference. How sad. Big 12, can we please find something? And by the way, I want to just say something about that. I, I read, an, uh, read, read a piece with Dave Hickey being interviewed, and he didn't quite shut the door on the Big 12. And I can't remember... The language, I don't know if you saw it, Shane, or not, but it was kind of like, yeah, we, we really want to make things in the Pac-12 work, but if not, we're in a good position. And I really appreciated his verbiage for that. So That's interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, ADs are all, almost always intentionally vague. They kind of yeah. have to be. That yeah. was as candid a statement as you might get from him, really, because you might just hear, yeah, we're all in on the Pac-12. Nothing's changed on our end. You, think, you figure he could just leave it at that. But it was it was interesting that maybe he because he always chooses his words carefully, and and maybe he, he left that door open. It's just it's interesting, and for some as someone who is, you have converted me to a a, a Pac twelve believer, uh, a Big Twelve, some, be- Big Twelve, a believer. Big Twelve believer. Excuse me, definitely not a Pac twelve believer anymore. Uh, it's some it's it it's hopeful. Hope is always a a, a, a tricky thing, um, but I I do have hope that they're going to get this right. Well, we want to thank Bruce Pascoe for joining Shane and I. Thanks for uh, for you guys. Uh, a little later than usual this week, we'll be back to a more normal schedule in com- in the coming weeks. But uh, definitely, you know, some uh, hopefully this news with Keyshaw Johnson uh, pans out. And as we've heard, rumored here on Friday, and we're all good there. So for Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Thanks for listening. And as always, bear down.